what up everyone and uh yeah this is the pause where i play podcast and actually this is just a special episode that i casey am making with my friend paul how's it going paul hey going good how's it going for you it's going good i watched recently the entire three seasons of avatar the last airbender and loved it and um, then quick I, correction three books Snow seasons. Oh, books, books. <laughs> I'm just messing. Oh man. Well, Paul is a true. I don't know what you call him a true fan, a true believer of the Avatar and whatnot. He loves it. I've seen him posting stuff about it and like life lessons. And so I messaged Paul. And I said, Paul, I just finished this and I want to talk about it with you on a podcast. I said, Would you be comfortable doing a podcast? And so suddenly here Paul is. Heck yeah. <laughs> So Avatar, The Last Airbender, it aired from 2005 to 2008. It actually debuted and kind of went on on Nickelodeon, right? Um, and it actually was just released every, like, uh, like one of those 30-minute episodes at a time for those years. And I, I think I've talked about this before. I watched Dragon Ball Z for a while, but I did not necessarily get into Avatar when I was younger. This is really my first time getting through it and going through it. And let me tell you, I watched a couple episodes when I was younger, but I was blown away as an adult at how much good is in this film, this not film, this uh, this TV series, because it's like designed for kids, like teenagers, right? Mm-hmm. But it has so much more than that. Yeah. Now, um, I was actually one of the people who watched it when it aired on Nickelodeon. I remember going over to my buddy's house next door because we didn't have cable at the time, and um i remember watching the the preview for it when they were like talking about like hey this show's about to come out like uh you guys should watch it and i remember being blown away by the preview and i was only like i don't know maybe like 12 or 13 years old at the time and i i i didn't follow it very well as a kid because we didn't have access to nickelodeon at my house so i'd watch an episode or two but uh once i got into high school my brother pirated the the, the <laughs> show <laughs> don't tell the creator and he we just like bought a cheap laptop for like 200 bucks and then just did a bunch of torrents and i remember sloughing school don't tell my dad and just watching it in my buddy's car like a whole day of school wasted just what i mean not wasted it was invested in this show so um i have a lot of good memories growing up with with this show and watching it as an as an adult and kind of dissecting all the all the um, philosophies and the the different story arcs and the character development, like that stuff just like blows me away now as an adult. I noticed that a little bit as a teenager, but now like th- these are things that you can honestly like pattern your life after and live like a good, honest life by following some of the principles taught in this show. And so I just want to bear my testimony about Avatar. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, man. I have a lot to say about it. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll get into that. Actually, like, that was my favorite part about it was there's so much symbolism. So, yeah, going back to kind of, like, the details about it, the creators were Michael Dante Martino and Brian Conzectio. Sorry, guys. I butchered your names. The, the series won one primetime Emmy and had eight other wins and nominations. And it was top-rated TV at number 12, which I think is kind of cool. And just a couple of fun know-hows. So Prince Zuko, some of you may know the character or the person who voices his character more than you know his voice, maybe. I don't know. 
But that is Dante Bosco, who at one time was Rufio. Rufio. So, <laughs> like, that's kind of a fun thing to know about it. And then just kind of like the basics, you got Zach Tyler, who plays Aang, Jack DeSena, who's Sokka. There's a person who actually voices Appa, the freaking thing. I didn't know that, but I guess he does make sounds and stuff. And there's May Whitman, who's Katara. And then one I want to do, who's Uncle Iroh, is his name is Mako, actually. Mm-hmm. That's his name. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the background and details. So, yeah, like, when you first saw this, and you kind of brought this up, but you saw the preview on Nickelodeon, what was your impression of it? Like, really, when you saw this, were you like, holy crap, like, this is going to be a ton of fun? Or were you a little bit like, do you remember that that well? Yeah, so they just presented it as, like, a kid who has the ability to uh, manipulate all these different elements, uh, fire, water, earth, and air. And um, the the preview is super eye-catching. I, I should go back and just watch it just to reminisce on that. But, yeah, I was like, man, that is so cool, like, the ability to use those elements and in the preview, they showed all the martial arts that they used to to bend the elements. And I thought, man, that is so cool. And I I grew up watching like Jackie Chan Adventures on like CB, CBS Kids or WB, W whatever. <laughs> One of those Saturday morning cartoons. And I was all about, you know, action adventure uh, cartoons. And I was like, this fits the bill. And yeah, I, I was immediately intrigued uh, when I first uh, watched the preview and watched the first couple of episodes. Um, but yeah, you know, the first couple of episodes are definitely like more geared toward kids. And um, later on in season one, it like flips a switch and says like, you know, like this, this is going to teach you some good lessons. So yeah, I'm excited to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, no, I'm like, I remember seeing previews for it. Like, we had Dish Network, right? And Dish, you better pay us. But uh, <laughs> we had Dish, and I watched it. And I watched a couple episodes. I remember watching the first couple. I think I watched the preview. I uh, Not the preview, the premiere episode mm-hmm. of the Avatar. Because I remember watching it where Sokka goes up and hits the ice, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And not Sokka. Katara is the one who goes up and hits the ice. No, and, like, Sokka. Goes, yeah, is it Sokka? Right. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I was like, wait, is it Katara? But essentially, I remember watching that and kind of like, being like pretty wild by it and i watched the first couple episodes and then like i was old enough as well that i was kind of like not interested in it and then going back later so probably like 2009 2010 like i started like watching it online a little bit and then just like the other week i was like i'm gonna watch all this because it's awesome and i remember when they announced it was gonna be on netflix i was like so pumped and my wife actually was like case it's gonna be on netflix because i always brought up how much i enjoyed it and like i have fond memories of watching a number of episodes but never had watched it like for serious to understand the story so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty rad like my first impression of this like like you said i watched dragon Ball Z. I don't know if you ever watched that oh yeah um but i was like maybe this is like a more realistic style of dragon ball z but it as it unfolds it's a bigger adventure in my mind than dragon ball z and it's it's super rad and i love it the four nations you know you got the four elements and it's just a hoot so before we really dive into stuff i just want to know who your favorite main character is yeah i know there's so many good main characters i think everybody loves uh zuko's arc and 
all the awesome emotional experiences that you get to have with Zuko as as he grows into the hero you didn't expect. But my favorite character uh, was always Toph. I think she was always super cool with her like snarky attitude, her super strong abilities, and like I I actually posted something on Facebook uh, about in preparation for this episode, just asking like what what are your favorite aspects of Avatar: The Last Airbender? And somebody said the way that they portray the different women in the show and the way that they portray people with disabilities in the show. And having a blind girl who's uh, super strong and a super skilled bender being a teacher for the Avatar, uh, that, that takes all the boxes. And I just, I just love her story and all in all. She's kind of like your, like, it's the opposite of what everyone wants to. She's your richest to rags character in yeah, this, I feel. Because uh-huh. she, like, has, she comes from a very, like, well-status and statured family. And then all of a sudden, everything is, like, flipped over, right? Like, she is, like, living on the road with the Avatar. She gets into some trouble. She learns hard life lessons, you know? Yeah. And it's it's fun. It's a fun story arc. And I, 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 I love that statement right there that you said, like, it's cool to see how they portray women and people with disabilities in this. As like a person who only has one arm, I make a ton of one-arm jokes in these uh, <laughs> podcasts, you know. Um, I single-handedly do it all by myself, like that kind of stuff, um, which are terrible one-arm jokes. But I love that. I remember when they go to the air temple and Aang freaks out, right? And he like, is like, you're desecrating my stuff. You've ruined everything. Yeah. And I remember the kid coming out in the wheelchair and that just being so cool that like, they had built a design, this world that he could like work through and work in. And, and I think that that's so cool. And it's very empowering for kids with disabilities to see that or people with disabilities in general to see that, you know, people are working to make the world better for them and to make it more, you know, able for you. But at the same time, you have to work with your ideas to make the world more adaptable for yourself. Exactly. And I love that because the kid himself is smart, just like his father is smart. So the kid's not just, you know, living off of his dad's glory. He has ideas of his own, and I think that's cool. Yeah, for So sure. you brought up Toph, and I'm going to honestly go with Zuko. No, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's the man. It's Well, it's, it's funny because I, like, have this side where, like, like, if I were sorted into a Hogwarts house, like, nine out of ten times, I'd be a Slytherin. And everyone's like, wait, you'd be a Slytherin? And it's like, yep, I would be a Slytherin. But, like, Prince Zuko, like, I, I understand, like, the rage and the frustration of wanting to be accepted, of wanting people to accept you for who you are. And, like, like the hurt that comes with growing up and wanting acceptance. And that's what we see Zuko's character go mm-hmm. through. But he had a much more severe experience. Like, he was burned by the Fire Lord, right? Yeah, by his father. <laughs> his father, the Fire <laughs> Just, Lord. Just, like, punched him in the face with a fireball. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the thing. And, like, but, what, but like, you see, like, Zuko having a, a teacher and his uncle, like, a mentor who's always, mm-hmm. like, chill. And, like, I have to put Iroh in the same. Like, I feel oh. like Iroh and Zuko are, like, two peas in a pod when you're talking about main characters. Because they, yeah. essentially, their whole story is together. But... With Zuko, right, he he learns from his uncle, and his uncle is always just even kill. Like, his uncle steps in when he has to, but other than that, he's just like... Yeah. He's such a chill dude. No, Um, yeah. I I love, love, love Iroh. One of the main things that you get from this is uh, you see a world that's divided, and he's, interestingly, on the side that's supposed to be, like, the strongest, the most powerful nation. The Like, later it explains 
that they they were so wealthy that they had to share their prosperity with the world and control the world basically it was the goal of the fire nation and he he grew up in that his like father was one of the guys who who started the war and everything but he was unique and he was able to find truth and uh, knowledge and power from all the different elements and all the different nations and his knowledge wasn't just restricted to one one sector one space it was more broad and he brings that into everything he says is almost quotable because he has learned a lot of wisdom from the different nations you know he has his own arc and oh man so much love for Iroh. Yeah. Well, when you're talking about that, when you're talking about him drawing information from so many different nations and not like just living up to the propaganda he's taught in the Fire Nation and he's a leader of and has to perpetuate out to his soldiers, right? There is a quote from him, and I post this on Facebook, and yeah. I want to quote it really fast. Um, it is important to draw wisdom from many different places. If we take it from only one place, it becomes rigid and stale. Understanding others... The other elements in the other nations will help you become whole. And that's from Iroh, and that is him to um, Zuko. Zuko. Yeah. And I, I love that quote. Like, And it makes sense because – and it's super relevant today. And this was something I didn't realize how, like, relevant this series is to, oh, like, yeah. the times we live in. And, like, this isn't to like, get political, and but it's my opinion, right, is too often we find ourselves immersed in just one sector of knowledge. And, like, if I'm, like, searching for news – I have to draw it from five sources before I build my conclusion. And it's kind of funny because my wife gets so irritated when she's like seeing all these different media outlets, you know, she's like, why do you have so many different ones with all opposing opinions? Sometimes I'm like, I have to figure out what the story is. I have to understand it. Yeah. Cause I want to like maintain that ability to see through things. Right. And to understand it. That's Iroh for you. Like in, in just his time with Zuko, they visited every nation mm-hmm. they've been to, air temples they've been to water you know tribes and cities in the water they've been to bossing say they've been to all the which is the earth kingdom they've been to all these different kingdoms and even as an adult he's continued to learn and be and like learn from others and like he goes out and you see him interact with people which is super cool about this series yeah like for sure it's not just like oh let's only focus on these main characters but like what they do as they interact with others amazing like yes this is a this is a the plot thickens type story. I don't know if that's a good way to say it or not. No, yeah. I think um, so many shows focus on the main characters and the the filler characters or just the side characters, supporting characters, don't get much attention or there's not enough depth or they're just one note, shallow. You don't even remember them. But with this series, what they do really well is make even the the smallest characters that are only in there for 10 15 seconds like matter going back to the facebook post somebody commented about that and um there's an episode where Sokka takes over over an airship and he just makes a comment like hey we're gonna celebrate this guy's birthday to get rid of all the all the people working on the 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 airship and like the guy is like super excited he's like the captain remembered my birthday (laughs) and like he's only on screen for like 15 seconds but like he's memorable because like the writers took time to like make that character important and uh, like you what you were saying Iroh makes those connections with people that he travels with he's always polite he always tries to hear them out or learn from them or something and that I think that's 
super good example for kids and for us as adults to learn you know wherever we are we can learn from other people and just be nice to them you know like be uncle iroh to everybody you meet yeah you know you could be anyone, but you should be like Uncle Iroh. Yes. The drag uh-huh. the dragon of the West is now. The dragon of the West. <laughs> no, I love that. Here's a question. Do you have any minor characters, like side characters, or like whether it's a group or like, you know, just a character that stands out that was like they were there, like like that guy, like just a short moment, but like made an impact. It could have been like two or three episodes or one episode, but like Yeah. No, I You're gonna say Jet, aren't you? No, I I'm hate kidding. Jet. <laughs> Jet's a a hole. Another character who everybody loves is only in a few episodes is like the boulder. Like he The Boulder thinks, <laughs> right? He like he talks in third person. Always talks in third person, always super like over the top with what he says and I even when he's not in the ring, he still talks like he's in the ring and um, I think that's super cool, you know. Like he reminds me of The Rock. I don't exactly. know if you like watch no, yeah. like professional wrestling. Like, do you smell what The Rock's got cooking? Like all yeah, that kind of exactly. stuff. And, like he has that similar personality. No, I, I'm pretty sure that was a straight ripoff from <laughs> WWE, and um, I I love it. And I don't know, it, it, it's really funny. I like Casey said, I post about this a lot, and uh, I posted a quote of just a picture of him saying. I'm sure you're reading this in the voice of like in the voice and he, and he says like the boulder is not amused and everybody's like yep I totally read it in his voice like again a character who's just minor but like comes to the top the, the cabbage guy he's like a running joke throughout a couple episodes and people love him Another one, just random character, only on screen, maybe five seconds in the whole series, is the guy who like foams at the mouth uh, on the Kyoshi Island. He's on Kyoshi Island, and the the people that like were doing this saw that a lot of people liked him, and they like spattered him throughout the series like <laughs> two more times or something like that. And I just think it's hilarious that you know the. Um, the writers are able to see what the fans liked and then they were able to bring them back in different episodes. So they're like trickled through like little Easter eggs almost, exactly. but they no, have yeah. significance. They're not just like, Oh, there's this random cabbage man. Like it's, it, it plays on and it's, it's not just like a cheap thrill, I guess mm-hmm. is the way I say it. It actually has a purpose a lot of times. I love that. Like yeah. the boulder thinks and the hippo guy is that yeah. what he is? <laughs> that whole arena is way cool in the, in the earth nation. I think that's fun. Yeah. I, I want like it's kind of funny because I'm now watching The Legend of Korra, which I'm gonna ask you a couple questions about later. Cool. But I'm now watching it, and I like already want to go back and rewatch Avatar, not because The Legend of Korra is bad, but because I'm like the, the Avatar was just so warm and friendly and stuff like that. And it was yeah. like every character, even if they were dark, was like was like good, and it was it was just fun. Yeah, Korra's a little more intense, but it's all good. Yeah. Well. For me, like, my, like, side character are the Swamp Hillbillies. Like, those guys are great. Like, the guy who gets in there with, like, the vines and stuff. Yeah. And you're just kind of doing that. Like, I loved those guys because they were just, like, kind of, like, little weirdos. I liked, is it Bato of the Water Tribe? Like, uh-huh. that guy was kind of cool. Like, just, like, I don't know. The Water Tribe, the Southern Water Tribe is just a super interesting, like, they're almost like a mythical being. Like it's like, for instance, if we were to go to the Himalayas, right? Like uh-huh. we've heard of the Sherpas, but like we get out there and we don't really know about them. And then we like experience their culture. If you ever go out there, and I thought those guys were fun, and then I love the Kyoshi Warriors. Oh, like yeah, super cool, super rad. And then 
Um, I just forgot the princess's name, Zuko's sister. Azula. Azula's two little henchwomen. Yes. Um, those two are pretty rad. Like the one who's Main like tie. Yeah, like the one who's like depressed and sulky all the time or so it seems. And then the happy go lucky one. And it's like you don't really fit with this character, but like you add value and like you're both like it's cool. And like you said, they portray women really well and like each of the the women in this, like they experience things, hard things like and they overcome them which is super cool and i think that's why i like those two a lot is just for that purpose yeah my my wife she wanted me to make sure i said this on the podcast but in in a lot of shows you get one female character (laughs) you know and that female character has to carry all the different like things that women go through and sometimes you know they're the angry women or they're the sassy women or all this stuff and or they're the smart women the responsible women but there's only one of them and they have to do care like wear all those hats you know yeah but with this show they have so many different women that it shows that there's not one specific way to be a woman you know like you can be like smart and brave and caring like katara or i don't know like azula just a mere opposite but because there's so many different characters in there, like Toph, she's messy and kind of unorganized and stuff. But um, she's powerful at the powerful. same time. They're all they're all strong. They all portray women as strong uh, characters, which we really love. Well, and they make hard decisions as well. Like they make yeah. decisions that sometimes, like in a lot of films, might just be reserved for men. Yeah. Um, like that, which I think is like kind of interesting, and maybe I don't know. Maybe we it's not maybe it's i think we need more of that like of course, even 100%. in like other cartoons maybe even in films like i don't know like you're right like one woman can't wear all the hats most women have to wear many hats but they can't wear all of them at the same time exactly and so like uh black widow in the avengers like she has gotten so much hate from fans because she plays one type of person in one movie and then another type of person in another movie but she's like one of the only female characters in that show for the longest time until like just barely with the the wasp and stuff but um like we that that's part of the reason why we have those those bad female characters in movies because there's not enough of them in there and one of the things that i think is really cool about katara and kind of at the end of the series where she confronts the person who kills her her mother and she's so angry and she has so much hate and so much revenge that she's like inches away from killing this guy who's at this point a defenseless old man because so many years have passed but then she doesn't kill him and Aang's like super happy for her because she forgave him and she corrects him and says like no I didn't forgive him like I will never forgive him for what he did to my mom but I didn't go through and kill him because it wasn't going to benefit me it wasn't going to bring her back and stuff and that that's another thing like you you expect and even katara she's like the caring nurturing one mm-hmm. but she also is multi-dimensional she has the ability to feel anger frustration revenge hate and all this stuff like in one character as well yeah. and so i'm like why, why can't we have more of these characters in other tv shows and stuff and so well these animated characters are almost human yeah oh yeah, yeah. superhuman they have so many emotions that everybody can relate to you know like everybody has felt betrayed or hate or resentment. Jealous. Jealousy, exactly. And these characters 
that are for a kid's show are portraying these very well and they like show restraint which is awesome it's that's one of the hardest things for us as human beings to do is like when we are in these emotional situations to show restraint and they do it really well and i mean we're just gonna (laughs) praise this show till till the cows come home (laughs) literally i don't have a bad thing to say about this series i loved it okay what's your favorite episode or what are your favorite episodes paul so I knew I was going to come on this podcast and I actually broke it down into my top three favorite episodes for each book or each season. And I'm going to try to narrow it down because I could talk about this, like I said, for a long time. Okay. So I, in the first season, like we talked about, the first couple episodes are pretty kid friendly. It looks like it's just going to be a kid cartoon. A lot of like funny, fun stuff is happening until the episode called The Storm. And The Storm is an episode where there's this big storm and they're trying to, they they have to like hide in shelter. And Aang and Zuko are telling kind of their backstories and how they got to where they are at that point of the series. And Aang is feeling like a lot of shame, a lot of regret, resentment for himself because he ran away from his responsibility as an avatar and froze himself for a hundred years. And he feels a lot of regret because he feels personally responsible for the state that the world is in now because he wasn't there to stop it at the beginning. And so at this point, the Fire Nation has taken over almost the entire world uh, except for one part of the Earth Kingdom. And What is um, the Avatar's job really fast so people understand? Yeah, so the Avatar's job is to keep balance between the four nations and keep peace uh he's also a bridge to the spirit world that's another thing that we could talk about i mean we could do a whole episode like (laughs) a whole podcast just focusing on the different episodes and the different things within avatar but yeah he he communes with the spirits to kind of balance things between there because every once in a while there's bad spirits that make their way into like their mortal world and um he kind of has to help uh, be a mediator between people and the spirits. Uh, and he uses his his powers to do that. So, um, Well, and most people are able to bend one element if they can bend. Yeah. And the avatar can bend all four elements and has to yeah. master them. Um, and yeah. so that's kind of like unique to him, and that's why he has these abilities. Yeah, and in The Legend of Korra, there's an episode that goes into the backstory of the very first Avatar and how that got started. So uh, I know there's a a couple haters out there on Legend of Korra, but uh, you have that to look forward to. And it's done in a really interesting style because um, the animation in Korra is a lot better. Uh, But when they do this recap, it goes back to like very simple 2D animation to show kind of that it's ancient i guess like really really back in the day um i'm not gonna lie to you like the legend of korra cool animation but i like the avatar animation better because it feels like like it's a it's a saga like an older saga like a journey that like you want to pick up and read as a as like a a kid a teenager and even an adult where you want to go on an adventure Korra is more like a little bit more like tv now i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah. no yeah it i mean by that point they had a lot of funding and they were able to uh, animate a lot more things with computers so uh, instead of the hand drawings that they did for the first show yeah. but going back to the, the storm so we we're talking about Aang and his uh, his regret and his shame and 
kind of doing a, a backstory to understand the character a little bit more. And at the same time, you have Zuko's backstory into how he got banished from the Fire Nation, how he spoke out uh, against his father. And it, it makes him a, a real human, even though he's like the bad guy at this part. And like you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's trying to capture the Avatar. But you see that, like his backstory, and it's so compelling. And you're like, why did he get banished? Why is he trying so hard to get back to his family? You know, it's usually a good thing. You Most people want to be with their family. I, I listened to something recently about that and how uh, Zuko's relationship with his father is obviously an abusive one. And it shows in this episode and a couple other episodes that abusive relationship and how even like abuse victims want to keep stay with their abusers or go back to their abusers because uh for some reason like it's really hard for abused victims to leave their abusers and it's subtle but like it's in there i i think that that's really interesting that that's part of zuko's arc is him wanting to go back to his family that is has been really abusive abusive to him up to this point he's only 16 years old and he's already experienced like a lot of trauma <laughs> uh, to put it lightly but yeah that that kind of like sets the stage for like the rest of the series and how it's going to play out so really love the storm in season one uh, in season two I love uh, Zuko's alone it does a lot more work on building Zuko's character <laughs> and then uh, the end of season two it's kind of like a two-part episode between the guru and the crossroads <laughs> where um you know the guru you learn so much about like the avatar state and the spiritual aspect and it blends a lot of eastern culture and eastern beliefs of like chakras and energy and um becoming whole and becoming like spiritual yeah. and uh i i love that and just like showing the opposites of different things like guilt and joy and all these different things that he has to work through in himself to become spiritual enough to control the avatar state which is super awesome and then the crossroads of destiny is like one of the best cliffhangers of all tv mm-hmm. um i love that that episode right before season three and then obviously zozin's comment the last last episode it's just such a good payoff of everybody's character coming to conclusion and ending in a, such a good unique way um it's pretty suspenseful too you're like what is actually going to happen i like, sweated through that yeah episode if you if you haven't watched that, that that episode like you when you watch it for the first time uh you're like what the heck is going to happen to everybody and it, it, they do such a good job of like making it really suspenseful so Again, I could probably talk for an hour on each of these episodes, but we, we've got to move on. <laughs> we don't have that much time. I wish we did. Uh, if anyone ever wants the extended cut of this podcast, just let us know, and Paul and I will come back and do another one. Yeah, hit us up. I could most definitely do it. Well, I think that I'm going to have a little bit less of a depth to my favorite episodes. I'm sorry. I like the Blue Spirit one, which is where we're introduced to Zuko's alter ego per se yeah um where essentially he doesn't use firebending most of the time he just goes in and uses pure skill mm-hmm. uh, and i love that but it's also the episode where ang has to go get frozen frogs for his friends who are sick and that's why i remember the most was the frozen frogs but 
I like the Blue Spirit because this is the first time where Aang and Zuko work together. Yep. And it's very cool. And it's like where I can't remember if it was Zuko or Aang. They're like, do you think we could be friends? And, you know, it's a little bit of foreshadowing, but it's, yeah. it's a pretty cool moment. The Siege of the North is actually the the first, like, super war, I feel. It's almost like the Battle of Helm's Deep, you know, in Lord of the Rings. Yep. It's the first one you kind of get into where it's like, this is dope. You're getting into it. And so this is where we originally see, oh my gosh, Sokka's, te- Sokka's girlfriend and his crush right outside of the girl from the Kyoshi Warriors. But he kind of like actually is in love. And then there's like, we learn about the moon spirit and kind of how the worlds work together and how the spirits do things for, you know, the people of this world. And I think that's super cool and how the moon spirit is killed and then reborn through the sacrifice of this girl, like her offering up her life for it, which I think is super cool. And I love that one. I love the swamp is like one of my favorite episodes, (laughs) primarily because the hillbillies, like I'll be super honest with you, but it, it, it also has its own purpose and place in the thing. You got a quote for that one? Yeah. Like, I know you were talking about it, and I one of my favorite quotes is also from this episode. And it's the swamp guy when he's talking about, like, the vines that all come from this, like, huge tree, which is, a you know, if you've studied imagery or symbolism, like, the tree is, like, one of the most important symbols, and they used it really well in this show. And he says, you think you're different from me? or your friend, or this tree, if you listen hard enough, you can hear every living thing breathing together. You can feel everything growing. We're all living together, even if most folks don't act like it. We all have the same roots, and we all are branches of the same tree. I'm like, what? You know, just (laughs) like, you get blown away by like those truths, and Oh, so important right now. It also sounds like something from the Blue People Avatar movie as well, like yeah, like that. And so, it's it's super important. I think it's smart to remember uh, that we are all united more than we recognize, because, like, yeah, our world needs balance as well. <laughs> For sure. I love that quote though. You don't have to send that picture to me. All right. The next for me. Thank you for sharing that. By the way, is Sokka's master, which. I love so much. Me too, man. Like <laughs> I, I was going to talk about that one because that's one of my favorites from season three. But yeah, go ahead and talk about it real quick. Well, I'm going to talk about it for a minute. And then, well, actually, you just tell me, like, why is it your favorite? Why is it one of your favorites? You, you go first and then I'll, I'll fill in. I want to hear <laughs> I want to hear what you have to say about it first. Okay. So Sokka's Master is just a just like an episode dedicated to Sokka and his development, right? Like throughout the whole series, we kind of see Sokka is kind of like, he's got a plan, but his plan half the time is winging it. And he also is like, struggles with confidence because he wants to be like his dad. And his dad's not a bad guy. His dad just left him at a young age to be in charge and to step up to the plate. But he doesn't know if he can, you know, hold his own. And then there's a point in this where they're they're in the Fire Nation essentially. They're kind of like disguising one of, like one of them's a kid, and I can't remember what the other two are disguised as. But Aang is a kid, and then the other two are not. But Aang goes to school. Like Katara's had a master of her own, and Sokka this whole time he's just been like a support to them to make sure they're able to do it. He goes out and like gets camp ready. He defends. He provides security. All these type of things. And Aang and Katara like you need to have a master of your own. And he actually goes up to the Sword Master. And he, like, goes and he, like, has this super rough interview. He's like, I don't know if I'm actually worthy. I don't know anything. And the guy's like, perfect. Well, that's what I need. You will be my next trainee. 
and then he kind of like goes through and gives Sokka like this whole education about being a sword fighter and how to be one and then Sokka builds a special sword and everything like that which he loses oh I just have to bring that up he lost it I'm so upset it's sad yeah uh so heartbreaking it was sad I hope that they found it and it was a relic later but I don't know but like at the end of this episode like Sokka even has to come out and says well master I'm not worthy of the sword like because I'm not who I'm telling you I am and like then he admits it and then him and the master have the final fight and then the master like says great I knew what you were be in the beginning and it's kind of cool it reminds us one that people can see through us from the beginning but as long as our honest intent is pure like people will help us and that's what I think it is is people will help you if your intent is pure but you should be honest and Sokka learned that through like the times and like the discomfort of having been dishonest but he had to like he hauled a meteorite up to the thing he chiseled away at it, he heated the oil, the metal and he like worked on this sword and it's just a beautiful process and a beautiful episode why is it why is it your favorite oh so exactly what you said like i i love it for the exact same reasons but also because um it answered a question that like everybody was kind of like thinking about you know like you you have this avatar team that has a super powerful waterbender in Katara, super powerful earthbender in Toph, and obviously Aang being <laughs> able to bend all three of them. And then... Um, and even Momo and uh, the Flying Bison are, yeah. have their own skills and powers. Yeah. So they, they airbend too. But, <laughs> um, but Sokka, like, you wonder, like throughout the season, you wonder how he feels. And then on this episode, it tells you like, you guys have all these powers. I just don't have any powers. And you can like sympathize with that so well because there's so many people around us that we look to them and we're like, man, like they have it all, you know? They have a house and a car and a nice car and nice clothes and all these things. And like these things that in our culture we think are like better or more powerful or like they must know something that I don't know. They must have some skills that I don't have that got them to this place. And um, that can be like really harmful. But when we when we develop ourselves and we develop our own skills, and our own talents, um, that's when we can flourish. And you can really see like Sokka, um, you know, do really good with that. And I don't know. I just I'm really happy that they addressed it because yeah. I'm sure in other shows like they focus the main time investment into Aang and his development or like the main character in different shows and their development and they never talk about like these things that like fans want to know you know like how does he feel like and so I, I'm just really happy that they addressed it and I think it's a really really cool episode well I like how you touched down on like the developing yourself part right and that's like this whole show is about developing the avatar but like they develop each character so well and they mm-hmm. like help them grow and you see it and what's interesting is after Sokka goes through this training and has his master he whines less he's less grumpy he like kind of has figured out his purpose and like I recognize that like there are times in my life where I'm just like I have no idea what I'm doing but I'm winging it and like as Sokka like develops, he's less complete. He's less of a whiner, a complainer. He just kind of goes with it. And I think that's awesome. That's why I love that episode so much. Yeah, yeah. And plus that sword is so cool. I know, a meteor sword that's black. Oh, yeah. so sick. <laughs> it is the definition of a badass sword. <laughs> I should probably get that tattooed somewhere on my body. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, obviously, final episode, which was multiple episodes, but on Netflix, it's crammed into like an hour and a half film type thing 
But my one of my favorites is the Firebending Masters, mm-hmm. which is where they go and they meet the original Firebenders because Zuko actually loses his Firebending because he essentially switches his legions, and this Firebending, as trained by the Fire Nation, is Firebending through anger, mm-hmm. whereas like natural Firebending is creating, right? Yeah. And so Ang and Zuko they go to this what's presumed to be like essentially us going down to an old Aztec temple and like exploring. There's not going to be any Aztecs running around as far as we know, but boom, they discover the original firebenders and they kind of have them go through these tests, carry the flame a certain amount of ways and Aang's flame goes out and like, it's kind of like an interesting experience, but like they learn how to airbend or not airbend firebend with the power to create as opposed to it. And Zuko learns a new way to firebend and it's beautiful. It has more power. And like he says, I've never seen it like this with so many colors, so many opportunities. And I think that's cool is like recognizing that like there's, there's different types of motivation. Like at the first of the series, like I said, Zuko is my favorite. His whole thing is to find the avatar to make his father proud. But like you said, he has this abusive relationship with his dad. So when he goes and does all of this, it is him doing things for himself selflessly to make sure that the world has balance and is safe and is better. And that's what he discovers with Aang. Like, even though they don't trust him when he says I've switched sides, they grow to trust him. They learn to trust him. Like, like we've said, like this film for being geared to like teenagers and young kids is actually super deep and helps you understand the processing that even through change, people aren't going to see you the way that you want people to see you. Mm-hmm. And I've been there personally, like I was a terrible teenager and I wanted to change so bad. And it, it takes a lot of effort to become better and people don't believe that you're changing. And then there are people who have li- lived behind this curtain and never saw the bad that you were. Usually those are parents and people who associate with your parents, but there are people who are outside who see it who you really were and then they still don't have the ability to say well you were the bad guy right the whole time mm-hmm. yeah but now you're wanting to switch sides and i love that and then i'm gonna butcher this how do you say the final episode Shozen's comment zozin's uh-huh zozin's comment. zozin's comment so zozin's comment is based off of like the name of it was it was renamed after the first fire emperor king whatever went and took over and destroyed all the airbenders right yeah so this comment gives firebenders the most power and the most ability and the most strength and it's kind of an interesting thing because while this comment is going on one you have the fight between the airbender and the fire lord mm-hmm. and then you also have the white lotus group taking over uh bossing say again and getting rid of the fire nation out of there and i think it's super cool to see how firebending used for good is done like ang like he's in the avatar state for half of this uh, this series and it's amazing what he does with it but then you have like uncle iroh and i forget the guy who's originally ang's teacher is a member of the white lows as well and they're firebending and doing this amazing and beautiful stuff but then you have azula who's like she's obsessed with lightning more than she is fire i feel but like it's it's just amazing episode and i could talk about it forever but it's really curious to see how like the fire lord even though he was in this like his strengths were when he felt the most victorious as opposed to when he started to get afraid and fearful like it's very interesting i don't know yeah no and i think they like they do such a good build up to zozin's comment and they talk about it for uh, a couple episodes before just like um you know it's a huge build up and um then when you actually get to see how powerful they are with the comet like that first scene where 
like he's deep breathing and then he shoots out fire from his fists that go from like a I don't know he's probably like 500 feet in the air and just like burning down this entire forest by himself like you see the power and like that's something that they they do really well again they they show like they do a buildup and then like the buildup is super gratifying you know and like you said there's so many different elements of this episode that all just tick every single mark and every part of it is just perfectly crafted yeah i, I don't have anything bad to say about <laughs> that except for we don't know what happened to his sword and the the cliffhanger like it the show ends on a cliffhanger and you think there's going to be more episodes but then the creators decided to just like leave it as it was because it was already perfection <laughs> but just like um zuko goes over to his dad that like no longer spoilers huge spoilers i mean there's already been spoilers i'll note a spoiler thing. at the beginning of the episode <laughs> so don't worry don't worry yeah anyways zuko's dad doesn't have his bending anymore and he goes to the the prison and uh, where his dad is and he, Zuko's the fire lord now and um, he asked the question that everybody was asking uh, after you know the, the the episodes that focus on Zuko and he just asked him the last words of the whole show where's my mother and you're like what like is she is she still alive like what happened and like just like ends with so many questions like you're so gratified with everything that happened like so fulfilled like everything ended perfectly and then they add this one more thing to like make all the fans go crazy you're like what and uh it does get answered in um in a comic book uh you can rent it at the library most libraries will probably have it or you could buy it off amazon um my brother like he re-got me into this danny big shout out to you uh but yeah he bought all the all the comic books that like explain more of the different lore and they go into like the backstory of kiyoshi and they explain zuko's mom and a super cool story it's comic book style i wish it was a tv series because they did it so good and just have like extra mini episodes afterwards i think that'd be cool but they're probably not going to do that. <laughs> no, no. I think they've. I think they understand that they they did a really good thing and leaving it on a cliffhanger like left so many ideas up in the air, right? And I, yeah. I actually like. I felt satisfied at the end of the series, even with that cliffhanging question. It was rad, and I know that people wanted more from it because who doesn't want more from it in a way like yeah but like if you push out the story too long it loses its value and sustenance and you can't really continue a film like or a series like this as easy and so mm -hmm. no paul i just want to say thanks for coming over and chatting about this with me um do you have any closing thoughts or anything like that you want to hurry and address about this series yeah i think the main takeaway um out of this whole show is to live a balanced life you know there's there's good in this world, there's bad in this world, there's good inside of us, and there's bad inside of us. And, um, you know, as, as we go through life, we're gonna experience both. And recognizing that and being okay with that, but being like, striving to, to, to be Uncle Iroh, and striving to like, understand more, be more, become more. That's the main takeaway, and you know, having balance in all things is, the most important thing and the most important takeaway from this this whole show i think i love that like 
balance is key. I love I love just finding balance. And I think that it's a hard thing for a lot of people to find. And that goes along with growth, right? Like balance and growth are like two sides of the same coin, I guess. You want to have both of them. So you want to figure out a way to land your coin when you flip it straight vertically. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I love that because like I like think of this as growth. Like this whole series is about growth and finding balance, right? Mm-hmm. And recognizing that despite your weaknesses, despite your shortcomings, despite your fears, you are enough to defeat the fire lord essentially because yeah. whatever your fire lord might be you can do it if you put the time in sometimes you'll have sleepless nights sometimes you'll have doubts sometimes you might get deterred or go on an adventure or have an episode of your life that doesn't seem like it's adding value but you're gaining experience and that's what this show is about so no paul thank you for coming and having a discussion with me for you know doing this little thing uh, we're going to talk more, I think. Uh, as soon as I finish Legends of Core, I think we should come back and do another one. Heck yeah, dude. <laughs> I, I, You know, Legend of Core has its faults, but the principles in each season are really cool, and they tie it back to this, which is balance, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I'd love to talk more about that. I feel like when I started watching that, it was like, oh, I'm starting over at Square One thing again. Here we go. Okay, yeah. <laughs> here's here's my final question for you. Yeah. Did you watch the M. Night Shyamalan movie? Heck no. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> uh, I heard terrible things about it and decided not to watch it, not to pay the money for it when it came in theaters. I was really excited about it, but decided not to do it. And then um, one time I was like on Facebook or YouTube, I can't remember, and they showed a side-by-side of like some of the scenes uh, from the uh, live action movie that M. Night Shyamala uh, did versus the animated show. And oh my goodness, the pacing. That's something that I love about animated animation is like they control the pacing really well. That is really hard to do in live action. And they completely failed. And I, I didn't even watch the show. I watched like three clips and I'm like, nope, not, <laughs> not worth my time. So, <laughs> Well, that's what a lot of avid fans said was like, this was just a huge flop. I've watched it and I watched it before I'd watched the whole series, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. I thought it was not bad, but I thought it was not great. I only watched it once and I remember that the airbender tattoos are like different and there's a yeah. number of things that are different, but like, eh, it wasn't good. Yeah. But that was my question. But in the end, like, thank you guys for tuning in again to the Pause Rambling Podcast. Paul, thank you for joining me on the podcast. And uh, the going away messages, if you should decide to watch the series, if you haven't already and you've watched this episode full of spoilers, go back and watch it. If you have watched it, go revisit again. It's on Netflix. If you have a subscription, get it. If your girlfriend, your ex-girlfriend, whatever, your uncle has a subscription get it steal it borrow it whatever and look into getting uh, a little bit more insight into you know balancing growth by watching avatar the last airbender thank you